All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mount Mustwire football podcast preview extravaganza. Team number two, Jeremy Moss here, as always, Matt Kennerly. MWWire.com is our website, Twitter, MWCWire, iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. We know we get new fans, so we get a map. Put that out the front where to find us. Just search Mount Mustwire in your podcast feed, and boom, you're there. Download it. There you go. That's what we do. So we are doing uh, San Jose State this week. Yes, we are. Last week, Utah State, so hopefully people listen to that, which we usually see the ca- that's the case. Now we're talking to the Spartans, which, well, we know how the Spartans are, right, Matt? They're just, uh, they're out there. They're in the conference, right? <laughs> Would it be fair to say that they're a team at a crossroads right now? Fact. And there's... Yeah, which, is, which is a strange thing to say for a team that has won so infrequently as the Spartans. Well, there's a couple things. They they're in some controversy, but also have some good news as well. They've gotten a lot of donations the past few months, broken ground on the new football facility in the area. There's some donations to scholarships, but um, as was the Daily Spartan wrote, and you kind of wrote uh, about it as well, maybe the money's not going where it's supposed to be going. And there's a couple things going on. This doesn't even include the football field to play, which uh, might be a little bit better, but wins may not show it. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's been examined and then kind of re-examined. You know, and, and I linked to something that Andrew Pang over at Twenty Four Seven Sports wrote, kind of breaking down the claims that were being made in the original piece. Mm-hmm. So I and, I and I put the disclaimer in the piece that I wrote, which was you know, more context is always better. Yes. And so regardless of wherever the truth lies, it's it's just one of those things where at first it's not a good look that, I don't know, maybe that the allegations were able to be made in the first place. Yeah. And, like, and, and taken in tandem with kind of the bigger picture of what's happening at San Jose State, you know, some of the subsequent things that came out in a letter that was delivered straight to the university president were probably more substantial, definitely more grave I guess you would say. And a lot of that stems back to the football team's standing within the institution. And, you know, the fact that they haven't lived up to you know, the expectations, you know, both within and without, you know, they're, they're getting pressure from pretty much all corners. And it's, I don't know, it's the only thing that can really be done is they have to win at some point. And if mm-hmm. they don't, what are those repercussions going to look like? And I think that, you know, the, the tenor of my piece was kind of re-examining that question of whether they should just kick the program or kick the department out of the Mountain West. And I think that there's a lot of pieces at play right now that kind of prevent that from happening, both now and at least in the in the near future. Well, what prevents that from happening then? Why would they – now, I'm not advocating they should be, be removed, but why would they – like what's in place to keep them within the league? Well, one of the things that Peng mentioned, and we were having a conversation about it over Twitter um, – when we're recording here on on Monday, we were talking about it Sunday night. And he mentioned one of the big things that San Jose's has that nobody else in the conference has is the media market. I saw that and I, I can understand, but that doesn't matter anymore. That is the reason like Rutgers and Maryland are in the big 10 now, but that meat brings little to the table at all. Just because I get it. Like here's the reason why it doesn't matter that much. The Mountain West doesn't have their own TV network like before. That's mm-hmm. the reason the Big Ten Network wanted those two cities. Now it's changed a little bit with Comcast for changing the tiers. I don't get into it. But all that matters is you pay your 15, 20, 30 cents per subscriber or up to a dollar per subscriber. Doesn't matter if you watch the channel or not. I've never, I, 
I rarely watch HDTV, Biography, or A&E, but I'm paying for it on my TV package. And so if there was a television network with that's conference-specific that was like it used to have with the Mountain, that would be a big deal. Now it doesn't really matter that much. So that for me, with the league not having something like the Big Ten Network, any league-specific network, that doesn't really mean much to me. Well, and most of the conversation around this surrounds the big sports like football and men's basketball. And it kind of ignores the fact or, or sets the side of the fact that a lot of the, I guess what you would call more marginal, and I hate to say that, but you know, the, the sports that ne- don't necessarily make headlines is the way that I framed it. They've had some successes. You know, the women's soccer team has been pretty good. The, um, you know, tennis has benefited from new facilities. The softball team has been pretty good. They've had new facilities recently. So it's not. I mean, a lot of it is about football and men's basketball and, and those kind of big time programs, but it's not all about that. And I think that people tend to ignore that or set that aside when they're trying to make these arguments about kicking them out of the conference. And I don't think that you can. No, you can't. But also, if you like, we can kind of compare this to New Mexico a little bit with the Lobo Fund, having some issues with the Irish golfing trip with um, Paul Krebs mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And But here's the thing if you're not making money, it impacts the sports that are really good below. Yeah, And so the Mountain West will have a new TV deal coming up in a couple of years. I think they're negotiating as we speak this summer. They can start doing that. Maybe they'll get a few more million per school. I'd hope they'd get something similar to the American just because they, I think they deserve it for at least when you look at the overall, not, not San Jose state, but like the league itself is getting better. Teams at the top are getting better. Hawaii's, but you know, this is my point. Better league overall. I think the past couple of yeah. years, especially last year. So that comes in, but if you're not doing good in football, it's not just TV money. You, we see the attendance at Spartan stadium. There's nobody there. Nobody at football, nobody at basketball. That's a big money maker. That's why when they're doing this TV deal, guys at Colorado State want to have a two p.m. A big kickoff between twelve and four p.m. on Saturday afternoon. Boise State wants the same thing. They don't want to play eight thirty night where it's snowing. I know San Jose's different weather, but late night games, whether it be Thursday or Friday or freezing cold weather games, that's big money for these sports as well to help not just anything for football or basketball needs, but for swimming, for track and field, for soccer, for water polo, for any non-revenue sports, gymnastics, they need that money because it doesn't all go to football. Just because you play football and you go to the game, you buy concessions, you buy tickets, it doesn't just support the football team. It supports everything. No, I get that. And so that's, that's not necessarily kicked them out of the league, but if you're not bringing in money, what are you going to do? Like you see sports getting cut because of that. Even good sports. Like, New ski team New Mexico had issues. I think they're off and on getting in or not, but they're really good ski team getting on the chopping. They're getting cut. Or are your jokey kind of not jokey article about, hey, just combine New Mexico and New Mexico State Athletics to save some money. Well, I think the, the there are two things you can say about that, maybe the most important of which is that it's not so much that they're not bringing in money, but one of the things that when you really dig into like revenues and expenses, which you know honestly, if I'm being real, I don't care that much about but you can't ignore completely the fact that they have leveraged student fees quite a lot. Yeah. And when you compare that, for instance, with another CSU school in San Diego State, the Aztecs have done kind of the same thing, but you look at the successes that they've had. So, you know, you're, it's two sides of the same coin where, where two schools in the same school system are doing pretty much the same thing where they're getting, I think, at least 20% of their revenues from student fees. But one program, one department's had a lot of success and one hasn't had any. And, you know, it, I think we talk about the past five or six years. We talk about their time in the Mountain West Conference. It wasn't that long ago that at least the football team 
was pretty good. You remember quite well. They okay. won 11 games in 2012. Yeah, NFL you know, quarterback, NFL guys right now. They've had stretches of success in the past, the same as every other Mountain West team. Like, you know, New Mexico won nine games two years ago. Shared conference title, or division title, so, excuse me. So, you know, is it a difficult job? Yeah. You know, it's a difficult situation, you know, that's unique to Silicon Valley in the same way that Hawaii is is unique to the islands. And, you know, a job that, you know, I hate to say that Albuquerque is in the middle of nowhere, but New Mexico is a tough job. Yeah. And, but they've shown before that they can make the right hire, build momentum, and, you know, see it pay dividends. You know, we saw it with Mike McIntyre. You know, he had two bad years his first year too. So is it possible that Brent Brennan could walk the same path and get San Jose State to bowl contention in a year or two? I don't see why not. Possibly. Yeah, let's get to football stuff now since we've got the other stuff. And just go read his article. Read our article and then also check Andrew Payne. He mentioned us on Twitter going through a bunch of things. Money thing, it's getting guaranteed games. There's a lot of intricate things into it. But here's the thing. Even if you're alleged of having that much money happen to you, that means something happened somewhere. If the You know what I mean? Maybe it's not the numbers you're saying happened for misuse of scholarship funds. But if that's even out there like that, that's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And because you have to backtrack and do all this information, look into it, blah, 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 find out what's going on. But for football, here's the thing, too. Like, you mentioned, look, I've mentioned this before with other schools. Like, you're in the state of California. There are a lot of D- Pac 12, you got Stanford, Cal, UCLA, UCLA, USC. There's four big schools right there, obviously, power schools. You have San Diego State, who's turned it around the past five, seven years, be really good. Fresno's had great success for the most part of the past decade plus, a couple of down years here and there. San Jose State, you mentioned one or two good years. There's, those Are those the only D1 schools, I think, that play football? Right? In the mountain? I, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. That's, it's, there's some SCS, DC Davis, whatever, stuff like that. So Cal Poly. But here's the thing. There is enough talent in the state of California, which San Jose State's getting, I think, 95% of their guys from California. It's like with the TCU thing or even like Texas Tech in Texas. There's enough talent. They can get the guys who aren't recruited by Fresno, aren't recruited by anybody in the state, like guys UCLA doesn't want. They need to get those guys who are good enough to play FBS, but they'd rather go play at, say, Illinois or a low-level Big Ten or Big 12 school or go to somewhere else in the Mountain West I think is a bit better. Mm-hmm. There's enough talent. They should be able to keep – you would think theoretically there's enough players there to keep this team – to be top half of the conference like every year at worst because just just I don't just if you know the area and you can get there's enough talent they shouldn't be winning one or two games they should be bowl eligible probably almost every year with the amount of talent in the state of California by getting the guys nobody wants to stay in state well and to that point I think it's worth pointing out that you know if you remove last year from the equation They've been in the middle of the pack in recruiting in two of the last three years. You know, they were sixth, I believe, in 2018 and seventh in 2017. And even on a per player basis, they were still, I think, getting like a, like, I don't, I don't know, 24 7 sports is where the cutoff is between a three star and a two star, but it was above 8.00, which is just about in line with where a lot of the other players or a lot of the other programs in the mountain west were recruiting last year a lot of teams cracked 0.80 so they have the pieces in place and we have seen how those pieces could put together flashes of where this team could eventually end up you know you look at the colorado state game last year 
where you know maybe they were had a rough time for the first half and then they came out firing on all cylinders in the th- third quarter. Or San Diego State game. I remember watching that. They dominated the inside the trenches for like the whole first half plus. And nearly or, upset the Aztecs, and they played. Or the Oregon game, or yeah. you know the Fresno State game to close out the year. It was or, three nothing into the second half. Yeah, or South Florida up up early two years ago. So you could see the potential in this team. Yeah, and they, yeah, and they didn't lose as many, or they didn't have as many blowouts in 2018 as they did in 2017. You know, they had the three point loss to the Aztecs. They had a three point loss to Hawaii. Can't forget about that one. Yeah. Over, they was should, that they five should have overtime. had the Warriors dead to rights in that yeah, one. Yeah, overtime. And, you know, a nine point loss to Nevada. So it's not like they weren't putting some of the pieces together some of the time. It's just the next step is putting all of the pieces together for sixty minutes. And that's I, something that I've said before, but that really is the next step. I think part of it is the league's getting better and so are they. And so but so different the gap remains the same. And that's something that in his team preview, Bill Connolly basically said that. Because and that's something that I said in my piece too is, you know, someone still has to lose conference games. You know, yeah. and, and Fresno State and San Diego State, who've basically been the class of the West Division over two years. You know, the last six years, basically. Oh, yeah, I guess for yeah, Fresno one or two years, but yeah, over majority they've been the upper half mostly. Yeah, you're right. Like they don't get to be in that position without a San Jose State. Or Hawaii being bad or UNLV and Nevada changing stuff. Yeah. So, but you're right. Like they are getting better. They've had closer losses. It's kind of what we said for UNLV. Look how long it's taken them to get where they're at. It's like okay, first year, or whatever. Not first year, but look at your poor. They're getting crushed by 20, 30, 40, 50 points sometimes. Next year, you may win one more game, but you're losing games within where you're competitive throughout three quarters. You lose by maybe your biggest loss, your worst loss is like 20 points. You have mm-hmm. a lot of 10, 14 single point digit losses. Next year is where you want to get those wins. That might be where they're at, and they need to be patient because, remember, this is Brent Brennan's only third year, and he came mm-hmm. in as a wide receivers coach from Oregon State. Yeah. And so he didn't have any – his best, highest coaching position was – let me check real quick. Um, I guess when he was OC back in 09 with San Jose State, 09 and 10, he was OC, co-OC, receivers coach, but he's never really been the guy as OC ever. So his highest position is a co-OC back in 09 with his partner. So he he's also he knows what he's doing in the area. And also, think of it too. I don't know if we mentioned this before. Coming from Oregon State a couple years ago, it's not like they have all the talent. They're the bottom team of the Pac-12 when he's coaching there. Mm-hmm. So he's like a kind of not in the, not to say he's familiar with losing, but he knows what it would take. Like he knows an attitude on a program if they're not doing well, maybe what to do to hopefully bring that up. He's been around because it would be really tough if you were came from. A coach, like even look at, like I'll go back to UNLV, Tony Sanchez, dominant at Bishop Gorman, winning, 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 goes to program. In one year, he loses more games he did in his past five years combined. That would be a tough spot to go to where up and coming coach, and then you go to this team that's just complete rebuild, and you lose all these games, and you've never experienced that before. Mm-hmm. He's experienced that before at Oregon State. That's, I guess that's a, you know, I mean, that, I think that's a fair comparison because you know where you're getting into. You're not expecting going in 10 games right away when this team has won four in six years. Yeah, but, and oh man, it's it's gonna be tough. It's still he, what I'm saying is they need to give give patience and let them be there for at least like we went to for the stoops in Kentucky. Give them time. Look what happened there after six years, not just bailing after four. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe I can use this as a segue toward talking about the offense. But I think to everything that we're saying, Josh Love is really emblematic of what we're talking about because when you look back at his numbers over the last three seasons, 2016 to 2018. Year by year, he's improved a little bit across the board. 
you know, last year, obviously, he had some health issues, so he didn't see, uh, you know, a full season's worth of playing time. He only played in eight games, but he had 14 touchdowns. He had nine, nine interceptions, and kind of like we just talked about, you know, we, he, we saw flashes of what the offense could be with Love under center, mm-hmm. but there are still improvements to be made when we talk about can he put together a full 60 minutes. You know, one of the things that really jumps out in last year's numbers in particular is he was prone to getting off to really painfully slow starts. In the first half of games, you know, he his completion percentage was four points worse than it was in the second half of games. Um, you know, his his quarterback rating overall was 27 points lower, and he was just he he needs to get better earlier in games. Mm-hmm. You know, as does which I think is a reflection of the rest of the offense because. You know, that applies, I think, to the running game as well. They were dead last in the conference as far as yards per carry. And, you know, but I think it starts with the quarterback position. If he can stay healthy, if they can keep him upright, you know, they have weapons around him to have a functional offense. We saw that more than once last year. But that might be the biggest if as to like what that next step looks like. Because he completed 56% of his passes. He was middle of the conference as far as yards per attempt. What does the next step look like? Well, next step, you lose Josh Oliver in the NFL, your best receiver. Um, here's what I say why he'll be better. And I let me go backtrack real quick before we move forward. I did our QB rankings, and I think I was lazy to put him 12th at the bottom. Because I have to think about it, some guy, I don't remember who it was. As soon as he State got follows us, DM me on Twitter. So we just kind of chat back. I'm like, yeah, I could see their point. Where I think it's just a lazy move. Oh, Spartans are terrible. They'll win two, three, four, maybe one game, something like that. Looking at it back, I put him 12. Thinking about it now, I probably should put him above New Mexico's quarterback and maybe even Sean Chambers, one of them, which we'll get to later because we we're both vastly different on that. But I will say this he's 12 right now. I'm not going to change. I'll change it maybe after fall camp. But he won't be considered the worst quarterback in the conference. Well, here, here's, here's uh, something I'll throw out there to emphasize that point. Do you know where he finished as far as adjusted completion percentage last year? I don't have that in front of me, so go ahead and make me feel worse about myself. <laughs> he was okay. second in the conference. So what is adjusted uh, completion percentage? So if you go by the definition provided by Pro Football Focus, and they threw this number out there about a month ago, basically what adjusted completion percentage is, is it credits quarterbacks for on-target throws that are dropped, uh, it removes kind of passes that are thrown away or they're batted at the line of scrimmage or something like that or hit as he threw, things like that. And so when you make those necessary adjustments, the only quarterback in the conference who was better than Love last year was actually Jordan Love. Okay. So he was basically, better than Cole McDonald. So basically, better ca- than... basically catchable passes, right? Is that counted? Is that what you, basically the simple term? More or less, yeah. Okay. That's 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 a good that's good. I mean, see, that just means you have guys who need to put stick them on or something. What's going on? Help them out, training staff. <laughs> but I but as for what they'll do better, Gaither Billy Gaither comes back. He only played what four games last year or Bailey Gaither? Sorry, was that correct? Only four games last season. Uh, I believe so. Looks yeah. like, and he's still fourth on team in receiving yards and with and catches. And so, I know most hours he gets one game versus FCS team, but like you mentioned, Oregon game. 90 yards. It came close to competitive Hawaii, 97 yards had a huge 55 yarder. So that is a guy who I think will take whatever love did last year. Excuse me, Josh Oliver did last year. He's going to be the main receiver and he's going to have a 
he would have surprised me some sort of all conference receiver by the end of the year. They also have Trey Walker I mean, as well. I was going to say, Trey Walker might be the best well, receiver just... in the conference that nobody talks sure. about because uh, nobody watches San Jose State football. Except for us, and apparently you more than me because I didn't mention him first. I was just going off that. Well, his... That's because I'm that's because I'm a degenerate. That's though, true. So. His improvement, I should say, more or less going to take over whatever Oliver did. He could be in that category. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe combine him and Walker. Those two can meet, meet, that, meet those needs. But they lose all the receivers. They only have Walker and Gaither back. So they'll have to maybe bring guys like uh, Lucky Nunn, who had 11 catches last year. There'll be more. There are a lot of guys that are back who had a handful of catches, and so that's a yeah. good thing. Like they have a ton of receivers, upperclassmen, and so yes, some guys Millen had four catches or eight catches or six. They've played, and if you look at the very bottom, like a couple true freshmen. I'm not sure if they'll play a retro freshman like uh, Jamarni Brodick, highest recruited guy, I believe, on the roster, second highest recruited receiver over by the rankings from 24/7. So they have some incoming talent. Like you mentioned, last year was bad. But before that, they brought in good talent, reasonably good talent, middle of the pack Mountain West, which if they could be middle of the pack recruiting, it'll take maybe two two years to get those guys in if they're redshirt or if they rarely play or, you know what I mean, just build bulk up and get better. Maybe this is a year four situation where that's what we're talking about them to get to a bowl game. But I think receiver, yeah, I, it's just lacking big time experience. That's true. And I mean, I think that, you know, what you can say is they definitely have a downfield element that they can build off of. But a lot of that depends on their ability to stay healthy. And if they can find, you know, an an underneath guy to kind of open up the middle of the field, you know, whether that's Billy Humphreys, who's probably going to take over for Oliver at tight end. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was a team that wasn't that bad. Um moving the ball down the field and, and getting chunks of plays. You know, when you look at the five factors that Bill Connolly puts out there for uh, you know, his statistical profiles, yeah, they were 125th by success rate, which is, you know, uh, you can look up the definition for yourself, but I would recommend <laughs> you do that. You know, they just, they weren't efficient, but they were in the middle of the pack nationally, 63rd overall in explosiveness. And yeah. that, I think, with the weapons they have coming back, is something that they can improve upon. Yeah, it's real quick. Five receivers had ten or who had uh, had ten yards more per catch with at least twenty catch, fifteen catches. Yeah, and so they're all for that's a pretty big deal. And another one's at nine point three. So their top receivers are getting about ten yards per catch. That's but that's what you want, the, right? The, and more. So yeah, but the one thing that might hold them back, which is, I would say, the one thing that's been holding them back for the last several years, they need a more consistent running game. I think they'll have it. I think Tyler Evans could be that guy. If he stays healthy, that's, that's yeah. my point. Yeah, yeah. He only had four yards to carry, but he's a returning guy. He has, I think, I think he's talented. Get, you're right. He missed what half of last year, I think, a good chunk of games, something like and that. And they yeah. don't have Malik Roberson. He's gone, and so if he's healthy, he's great. Cause he's like their main experienced guy. Like Dejon Packer, fine. Brendan Mangio's fine, but he barely played. They have twenty mm-hmm. plus carries about there. So if Nevins, it's like it has to be for the Spartans to even be competitive for stuff. They need have receivers step up who, who played a little bit last year they need health-wise Nevins and Gaither to be healthy and if they're healthy maybe like that might only be four wins if everything goes perfect they might be a four-win team well and maybe more importantly than that they need the offensive line to coalesce and be able to keep love upright as well as kind of push the pile forward for for guys like Nevins and Packer because when you look at the at rushing S&P plus in particular they were dead last yeah. in, in, the, in, the, in the country. And 
by opportunity rate, which again, I'll just throw that out there. It's basically just the percentage of runs where the line does its job and the, the, the runner gets more than five yards. They were next to last in that regard. They were in the bottom five as far as stuff rate is concerned, which means that they were giving up, you know, more TFLs, you know, plays getting stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage than just about anybody else in the country. So I think while they do have at least one or two reliable pieces, you know, Jack Snyder, I think, was one of the more highly rated offensive linemen in the conference uh, who are who are coming back for 2019. Troy Experience is one thing, but those guys, maybe more than anybody else on the offense, need to step up and produce more consistently. Oh, definitely. And one guy, too, you know, let's say you get a guy from Minnesota, Quinn Osseland, 6'6", 305, big boy right there, giant. Yeah. If he comes in and can nag, maybe nab a starting role or key backup, that's a big deal left tackle there. But you have Zach Snyder, so maybe they'll switch stuff around. But they do have a lot of guys who played. And, again, I say it a bunch every time. Just because you play doesn't mean you're going to be good. But it's good that they have some sort of experience out there. So they have, yeah. I think they have two good guys starting out there. And then you have, like, uh, Deanna Mochu had eight career starts. A couple of guys have five-plus career starts. So you're mm-hmm. not bringing in brand-new guys. You're bringing in guys who've played about half a season or so. And most of it was yeah. last year. And that's, that's a good thing. And maybe just have that, having that experience back. Because you look at the year before, if you think about it, if you kind of reduce the 2017 starts, you had Snyder maybe had, what, eight career starts. You had Jake Coleman making all, all but one career start last year. They were mm-hmm. less experienced last year than this year. And so maybe that'll be something where they're together another year and they've had they've played against these teams that they will be just enough better. And Possibly, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, experience is good. It's not everything to say you're going to be better for sure, but it's always a positive when you have enough guys back, and I think they do. And if they have, like, some of these redshirt guys, they might do something. Like, look at this guy, Anthony Pardue, 6'5", 314. Huge. Big boy. Like, what are you going to do? Like, put him out there. True freshman. See this, Justin Scrempos, 6'8", 315? Huge. Just yeah, and that's what, I, that's what I'm talking about. Both of those guys are three-star guys who've come in in the last two years. Those yeah. are the guys that if they don't, even if they don't necessarily contribute this year, year you know, those are, those are part of the foundation for the future that they're trying to build at San Jose State. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like year, this year, we'll see what Brennan does. But year four, I think a bowl game is possibly in the works, even though by then I think they'll need a new QB, right? Because love is gone by then. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get that later, right? We'll deal with that when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, like, where do you how do you feel the overall for the offense is going to be like compared to the rest of the league? I mean, I wrote about I wrote the offense uh, or a column about the offense rather. I think back in January or February. Mm-hmm. So I have fairly high hopes for their ability to be more consistent. But you know, as we keep saying, some of it comes down to health, and some of it just comes down to units that have been weaknesses for fairly substantial amount of time you, you know even if they don't necessarily become a strength they just need to get to adequate okay adequate so would yes. you say let me okay let's play a game real quick are they better than new mexico's offense yes are they better than oh boy um <laughs> colorado state are they better than colorado state's offense probably not probably not um wyoming's offense mm-hmm. Maybe, I mean th- those are those are two that are difficult to compare to one another just because they're so different. Mm-hmm. So you're basically their bottom three offense, no matter what. Like because they're not going mean, to be they're not better than Hawaii. They're not going to be better. I don't think they'll be better than Nevada. Fresno State's going to be better. Aztecs are going to be better. I mean, let's put it this way: in the last three years, just but if you look at yards per play, they haven't cracked eleventh. 
since I'm, I'm going back through these tabs as we talk since 2015 was the last time they were above average or, or rather just anything better than next to last. So I think if, if, if that's the bar that we're setting, oh, if boy. they can get to, if they can get to 10th, that might, that might be the difference between winning one game and three games, which may not sound like a lot. It might sound like we're, we're setting the benchmark really low here, but, we are. but honestly that might be where it needs to be. They've won two games in two years. Yeah. So I think that's right. Brett Brennan, am I correct on that? Well, I believe so. Yeah. I had I had his wiki page up moment earlier before. I'll look at that again here. So let's go good to defense. They do lose a couple. Here's the thing: like I was reading through Bill Connolly's thing, they do lose guys like Boogie Roberts. They also lose uh, defense or no defensive end Bryson Bridges. But it's kind of like the offensive line. They have a ton of guys back who played a lot, and so mm-hmm. they may not. I think I kind of agree with this assessment. With all the talent coming back and game experience, they're probably going to be about the same as last year because they don't have the couple of stars that are gone who are working their way, trying to get NFL teams on those rosters. So that's, it might be about the same, which it's better than getting worse, but last year, not like their defense was amazing either. Yeah. I mean, especially along the defensive line, that might be the one position on both sides, on either side of the ball where, you know, if you're asking the future to step up now, it's probably going to be now. And yeah. I think some of it starts with Cade Hall, who had a pretty good freshman year mm-hmm. that nobody probably noticed. Um, but, you know, he had three sacks. He had four and a half TFLs, which, you know, by the way, those sacks led the team last year. There you go. Um, and they have some of those other highly regarded guys like Callan, Cameron Alexander, EJ Ane, Junior Fajoko. Yeah, if those guys, even if they aren't starting full-time, if they're part of the rotation that replaces guys like Robert and Bryson Bridges – that's a step in the right direction because one of the strengths that they that they had last year, I would say, was being able to stop the run here and there. And you know, while that may not sound like much, it, they were you know middle of the pack nationally as far as rushing S and P plus. That's something that you know not necessarily to build upon, but that's something that I think that they can maintain. You gotta start somewhere. Yeah. And, yeah, they're giving about 4.7 yards per play. But those three guys you mentioned are also three star-plus guys in that range where they yeah. will be seeing more playing time. I think that area will be fine. And also, one thing, because they, they do get back uh, Solosi Alatu, who missed last year, senior. Mm-hmm. So who knows what he'll bring to the table, some experience, hopefully maybe he's ready to go. I don't recall what his injury was or why he was out. But if he's there to play. He did a pretty good job. Years before in 2017, he had what, a couple TFL, pretty good sack rate, or I mean tackle rate, excuse me. But I think that, I think you're right, that position will probably be fine, right? Mm-hmm. And then look at linebackers. This is where they bring everybody back but Jamal Scott. And so I yeah. think, like, I guess in a defensive line, I guess I think they could be better than last year. Because looking at who they bring back, like most of their secondaries back, and their secondary is always good. Even though it's like, oh, maybe they'll run a lot, but you look at like the yards per yards per play on pass defense, it's still really good, even though with their overall yardage being low because teams will run with the leads. But look at linebacker; they bring back plenty of guys. Like Jesse Osuna is really good. 10, 10 TFLs last year, a couple pass breakups, a couple interceptions, knocking the ball, a fumble, fumble recovery. They have guys. They just need somebody, not a freak get a tackle type guy, but they need a couple guys to get. More tackles, I'd say a little, a few more, not a ton more, but just uh, make some more moves, make some more tackles, guys. You don't I need don't your. Know, I, mean, I, I think I would, I would make the Genda guy racking up a hundred probably a good thing. Well, I know, but I mean, like <laughs> maybe get to. Okay, here's my point. Tackles last year, 
Mm-hmm. Maybe transfer 30 of those to a linebacker. That's what I'm saying. Something like that. I get no, your I point. Get you don't want one guy to make every tackle because that's not, not a good look, really. But if you have a bunch of guys who get 80 each, that's what you want kind of back there. But overall, yeah, and I, it's a deep unit too. And so that's another thing where recruiting's good, who they have in there, like the ratings and stuff from guys who barely played last year. Like one guy really quick, uh, Isaac Togia. Highest rated guy on the roster. Didn't play as a sophomore last year. Who knows what the deal is. Maybe he'll be a guy who's finally figured it out as a sophomore and be great because he didn't play as a true freshman, didn't redshirt either. So, Yeah, but I, I mean, I think that the guys who are likely to start, and you mentioned Ozuna as being someone who showed he could be disruptive last year. And Ethan Aguayo, you know, maybe he, his contributions don't always show up on the stat sheet, but, you know, this is just another number I came across. He was third best linebacker in the conference last year as far as passer rating allowed. You know, he only trailed David Woodward, you know, who, are, who, are, who we've been talking about as a defensive player of the year candidate. Pretty good and Javin White out And Javin White out at UNLV. Those are the only two guys that were better than him in pass coverage last year. So I think that you're right. They have a a unit at linebacker that could do a little bit of everything. I think if there's one big question, it's what you alluded to. It's you know, how are they going to replace, you know, especially Dakari Monroe on the back end? Yeah, that's because uh, he had, let's see here. I'm trying to look what he had. He had a couple sacks, a couple CFLs. The 15 pass breakups, that's what I was looking for. That is, uh, and also is Havoc great? 55%, Matt. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, that I guess maybe if you want to look a, a maybe a guy he's gone too is looking at John Toussaint he's gone as well those two guys had twenty three PBUs so there needs somebody to come up and knock the ball down right as for who yeah, and it's, we'll see yeah and and their past defense has been one of those things but that's been really up and down over the last several years and they admittedly have been more down than up you know in the last couple of years. But what's really interesting is, you know, they do have a couple of guys coming back in Jonathan Lennard and, and Trey Webb. Yeah, but they did switch Zamora Ziegler from running back to cornerback. And he was seeing playing time by the end of last year. He might have a role to play. You know, Trey White, another three-star recruit, might have a role to play as a sophomore. So it's not that they don't have options, but that might be the one unit, like, like we talked about the offensive line, that needs to come together sooner rather than later for them to be more competitive, especially early on. Yeah, because they have five guys, I guess, five guys who played 10-plus games, six when you add in um, Bobby Brown who played nine. This same thing, yeah, a lot of game experience. It's just how much game experience, and will that experience lead to something more this next year? Especially Ziggler, if he when him switch him from offense to defense, getting all spring to work out, maybe he picks up the position, takes to it very well, and could be one of the, may not be a starter, but maybe we've got a nickel package or number two backup somewhere. Exactly. All right, so anything else on defense? I think defense, it's it's got to be better, but it's, I think it'll be a touch better, but negligible at best. Yeah, I think, like I said, a lot of it depends on how well they hold up against the pass. Mm-hmm. And also the run, too, because I think, uh yeah, I'd say running as well because their pass yardage is always low, but it's because they something breaks and they don't their defense doesn't stop. So I think maybe the, for me, maybe the run get, need, game needs to get to get better because I seem to have more confidence to you in the secondary. But that's just me. Yeah. All right. Special teams. Uh, new punter. We'll see. TBD. Nobody listed here. New new kicker too. New kickoff. New place kicker. Oh boy. Um, that's not good, right? <laughs> 
Well, I mean, maybe and maybe not. I think the the most recent word that I heard was that they've been encouraged by the guys they brought in. They brought in Alex Galland, for instance, who uh, put it at Yale last year. Yeah, smarty pants. Um, and he was, you know, last last I saw on Twitter, he was bench pressing like you know what, three or four hundred pounds or something like that, or lifting four hundred pounds. Come on, give me the leg press. That's what you need for the more, more than I, more than I could lift. Let's put it that way. Same. So, you know, I think I think he'll be. Fine if you can be middle of the pack. I think that's really all you'd ask for from from when you're starting entirely over at special teams. And the kicking competition is still kind of wide open. I, as far as I know, the inside track belongs to Matthew Mercurio, but at the moment we don't have a lot of information about him, and so it's kind of one of those wait and see situations where maybe you hope he can be as good as Bryce Crawford has been the last couple of years. It's pretty good. You know, if, if you can at least get close to that, that'll be a net win for, for the Spartans. Yeah, really quick. He was 10-11 from 0 to 40, and, or 39 to 4 of 8, 40 plus. and made all but two PATs, so pretty solid. Uh, return probably, I don't know, was Ziggler going to return kicks even though he's moving to DB? Possibly. Hard to possibly. That's yeah. that's like a likely scenario, So because they lose uh, Ty Kirchhoff back there, who had, what, decent, almost 500, 600 yards, and then they'll find a part returner. So that's special teams. Let's do this. Let's take a quick uh, timeout, I guess, and we'll be back momentarily to talk the dreaded schedule. All right, San Jose State schedule. Matt, they won one game last year. That's true. Will they get more than one game? More? They'll start 1-0 because they got Northern Colorado, right? Northern Colorado's decent, but I don't think they're going to be facing a UC Davis situation where, you know, I think – it's funny. I was looking back at some of the arguments that people were making, you know, going back to our discussion about kicking the Spartans out of the Mountain West, and they're like, nobody expected them to lose to UC Davis, and then it turned out that UC Davis was pretty good last year. Didn't Northern Colorado beat Colorado State a couple years ago? Uh, Colorado State. Well, I think you might be thinking of Illinois State. Maybe that's it. Oh, sorry. Get the FCS upsets. <laughs> and not they, straight. They happen. They don't happen that often. I know that's so the point. You're I'm forgiven. Like, yeah. Okay, thank you. All right, so they'll they should win that game. Then they get Tulsa at home, week two, uh, Saturday night game, which is awesome. Here's the thing about Tulsa: they have a pretty good quarterback. Seth uh, Boomer is going to be a sophomore, and he led the team last year. It was their main starter. So their their past events will get a a quick uh, tutorial of, of a guy who could probably throw the ball pretty well. Maybe. I'm not, but but, but Tulsa was kind of bad last year. They are, but I mean they have experienced quarterback coming back. I'm just saying, like it's. I was looking through to see who they have. I'm not saying they're good, but he's a pretty decent quarterback for what he played. I mean, let's put it this way: you've got a team that what they won what three games last year. Um, let me double check last year. I was looking up their numbers here. You did... It was three. They were three and nine last year. The only teams they beat were Central Arkansas, Connecticut, and SMU. This is a benchmark game for San Jose State to see just how far they've come. Because Tulsa, like the Spartans, finished in the triple digits as far as S&P Plus goes. And they're not really projected to be much better, even if they are given a 67% chance to win this game on the road. That seems high. That seems really high. It does. And especially because Tulsa's defense was not very good. And while they do have pretty much a lot of pieces coming back, as we talked about earlier, just because you have a lot of pieces coming back doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be any good. Yeah, or that much better, yeah. So I think if San Jose State wants to show that they're going to take the next week, the next step forward, 
this is the first real opportunity to do that. As you're talking about it, you know what this game could remind me of? The Hawaii game of last year. Yeah, exactly. Decent amount of points come down to a field, just something where it could be like 60 combined points in this game, which is a decent amount, I would say. Anytime both teams score more than 30, it's basically a shootout, in my opinion. I have this as a loss on the schedule, but I wasn't confident about it. Because this is technically the second easy, second most winnable game on the schedule behind New Mexico. Or I guess FBS team, I should say. Sorry, you got NCU before. I think it's a loss, but I would not shock me at all if they were to get, get a victory because Tulsa, like you said, they have guys coming back who played, but they weren't a good team last year. They're kind of similar, but also that's two San Jose, San Jose State. But also Tulsa historically is usually pretty good. So those three win seasons are few, usually few and far between. Yeah, I mean, Tulsa's been kind of up and down, especially in the American. They've been sure. more down than up. Um, but I have this as a loss for the Spartans, too. I think, ultimately, it's going to be a really close loss, though. Is that good enough for fans? I mean, after the last couple of years, I would think so. <laughs> and, and if you're a San Jose Spartan fan who is, who is listening to this podcast, and you're like, no, I would not be happy about that, feel free to add us yes. at MWC Wire. Also, here's another positive they might get to win. Did you see who Tulsa opens the year at? Uh, probably Oklahoma. No, at Michigan State. Oof. Then they go to San Jose. All right, all right. I'm just saying. And it's a Friday night game, so they do get that. They play the 30th of August, so they do get an extra day for that travel. But no, that's a, that could be. You know I mean, you get beat up week one, travel again week two. That, we got the holiday, Labor Day. Maybe they're doing something fun for that, taking a day off of practice. You never know. I'm just saying. Yeah. Look, look for every edge you can get to say why Spartans could win the game. That's what I'm leaning toward right here. <laughs> also, quick note, I'm on ESPN's page for Tulsa. Did you see they signed an eight-year deal to play Oklahoma State home and home? I mean, it makes sense. They're it does. basically neighbors. Yeah, 70 miles away. It's kind of surprised for that longevity of a deal. So good for them, right? Mm-hmm. But next is Arkansas, who, again, is not very good. I guess it should be better, but it's going to be a loss. It's on the road. Is it, I don't see a Colorado State um, comeback in the Spartans' future against the out in Fayetteville. No, I doubt that. Yeah, even though Arkansas might only win three games, this will probably this will be one of the three games they win, right? Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. What we do, what like we'll get to these previews more closely, but what we want to see in this game, I think, is them limit the reduction of a blowout. And I think with Arkansas being just nah, that might be a case. Like I think for. Like you say, you want to win the Tulsa game, which I still think that should be the expectation for Spartan fans. Going to Arkansas, you know they're not a great team. Upsets can happen. I'm not going to say they're. I'm not going to give them a zero percent chance to win because I'd give more than that eight percent chance to win. You're playing a bad team in Arkansas. They'll probably be just oh, we're playing San Jose State. It's not very good. I think weird things can happen, but I would still lean Arkansas. But I would say if they lose by 14 points or less, that would be fine with me. Yeah, I mean, I think a success would look a lot like last year's Oregon game, where yeah. maybe they don't, maybe they don't pull out the win, but they're able to hang around and kind of frustrate the the Razorbacks on either offense or defense, one side of the ball. I think. Yeah, because Arkansas won two games last year. Yeah, and uh, interesting note, they played Colorado State the week before. Oh yeah, I forgot about that because they they come to Fort. Oh no, this is the road game. Last year they came to Fort Collins. Mm-hmm. Also, real quick, they do have a senior quarterback, but he wasn't very good last year in Ty Story, so maybe that's um, some issues there. But uh, it's going to be a lot, most 90% loss from 80% loss for me, but I want to see the competitive, the fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Also, they get a, they get a bye week before that, so there's that as well. Then they go to Air Force Friday night game after traveling to Arkansas, so back to back road games. I don't. I'm super high in Arkansas, or excuse me, not Air Force. Staring at the Razorbacks there. Air Force is going to win this game quite easily because they'll just do what they do. Donald Hammond, Cole Fagan. Even though that D line we think is going to be pretty good, perhaps, but I don't see this happening for the Spartans. I mean, I think it could come down to kind of strength versus strength, especially if the Spartans can keep producing as far as run defense like they did last year. But I think that the Falcons, as you said, do kind of have the talent advantage to you know, maybe get a lead early and keep you know, the Spartans playing catch up. So I do think that'll be a relatively close game too, maybe within 10 points. You think so? But really? Maybe, yeah. That's interesting. I, I don't see that at all. Kind of like a 38-28 kind of game. I guess I have to look at more Air Force defense, but I just think the Falcons' offense is going to be one of the best in conference. So, But I have that one as a San Jose State loss as well. Okay. New Mexico, the Super Bowl of the worst teams in the conference. <laughs> Spoiler for our New Mexico preview, sorry. You can piece stuff together as we go along, right, Matt, with our records we choose? Yeah. If you listen that closely, which you better, right? New Mexico is the one game their FBS game they're favored to win by 1.6 points. And that's basically because mm-hmm. you're at Spartan Stadium where hopefully a few more people show up. New Mexico's a mess. I'll say it right now. They're in a much worse position than San Jose State. Is that fair? Do you think that's correct? I would say so, yeah. Because New Mexico, as in this game, they have new OC, new DC. They're one another step away from Bob DeBest running the amazing run option attack, which is the reason why New Mexico is even competitive and winning games and beating Boise State and co-champion of the division, almost going to the conference title game. I don't know why they're moving away from it, but they do have Tavaki Toyota quarterback, but I think the Spartans are going to get this one because New Mexico is that bad, especially their defense is never really all that great outside of a couple players here or there. Yeah, I mean, this might be the kind of instance where San Jose State's big playability on offense pays a lot of dividends. And I liken it kind of to the game plan that they had against UNLV last year where they were able to drop 50 on a suspect defense. I definitely see that especially on the back end of the Lobos defense, which we'll talk about more at length when we get to the New Mexico preview. But long story short, yeah, I have this one as a Spartans win. All right, next game at Nevada. This, we'll kind of go through this quickly. We don't need to break down every team because we'll get nuggets here there for the rest of the preview series. At Nevada, it's, I have it as, I'll say right now, I have it as loss, right? That's fair to say. Yeah. But, I guess if you look at the way New Mexico, San Jose State can win these games, because that's how I'm looking at these previews. We go through it. I'm not going to, like, I have my outcome in mind, but we're not going to say trash on San Jose State or trash on whoever because you're going to lose. We're going to look for reasons why they can win these games for the most part or be competitive in the games. We'll do vice versa for other ways around. So going against Nevada, I think the concern, the good thing for Spartans, at this point it may not matter, new quarterback in play. They, we know they have new receivers, like McLean Mannix is gone, replacing Ty Ganji, but the running back is really good, Toa Tua, probably the best in the conference, I'm assuming, behind John Washington. Defense, lose Malik Reed, lose a couple other guys, NFL. I think Is Baber gone? Is he still at the spot with the Wolfpack? No, he's, he graduated. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, you have a couple of guys gone. So there are build, bringing in new players to this Nevada team. and But again, it's week, what, week seven at this point. It may not matter. But looking here in May, for me, that's kind of a – optimism where maybe that Spartans offense can make some moves and get some points against this Wolfpack defense, which even when they have good players, there's still points we're able to have against them last year. Well, here's a fun fact for you. Throw it at me. 
three of the last four games between these two teams have been decided by less than 10 points. Can we do it again? That'd be awesome. Fewer than 10 points. There you go. Excuse okay. me. Fewer. <laughs> That's fine. That'd be nice. That'd be a good, good thing to happen. And I think that, I think this is uh, kind of like kind of like I was thinking with the Air Force game, where maybe it's more offensive fueled than a defensive battle. But you know, despite kind of the big lingering questions that the Wolfpack have on offense, especially at quarterback, I'm not expecting them to take a huge step back. Um, they may have to win differently than they did last year, but I do expect them to kind of pull this game out again. So I have this one as a Nevada win. So do I. All right, San Diego State. Oh boy. Uh, it's not going to be close. It's a week after. It's at home, so there's that. This is actually outside of Arkansas. I know this. Sorry, I was going to say it was going to be vastly wrong, so I'm not going to finish that sentence there. It's one of the tougher games on the schedule. I'll go that way. I guess if I did see anything with Nevada, new quarterback, um, lose a couple guys in defense, offensive line's kind of broken up. I want to see it happen last year because last year that offensive line, defensive line for Spartans were dominating the Aztecs for quarter for a half plus, which is very surprising. And if that could happen again, who knows, right? Because that game last year, what didn't it end up being seventeen to ten last year? Something like uh, that. It was sixteen to thirteen. Yeah, something super extremely close. So that's got to give the Spartans confidence. And I like the way the up front played on Spartans. If they can do it again, hey, why not? It's at home this time. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are just enough questions on on offense for the Aztecs to make you think that they could do it again. Um. But I think the big question, as it has been for pretty much the entire time that San Jose State's been in the Mountain West, is what is the offense going to be able to do against this defense? Because you know, back in 2013, they did score 30 points against the Aztecs, but they haven't scored any more than last year's 13 in the five years since. So interesting. I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of waiting and seeing. So even though I do have some lingering doubts about the Aztecs. I do kind of expect them to win this one. So I have this one as a Spartans loss. Me too. Then they go to Army, which they get a, not a bye week. They go all the way to West Point. Army's really good. They're expected to be really good. So, oh, man, what do you think about Army, Matt? Are they just going to run like Air Force did and take care of business? I mean, I think I would hope that at a minimum it wouldn't be like last year's disaster. Oh, that's right. That was oof. where the the game was basically over by the end of the first quarter because they couldn't stop turning the ball over. It's not what you want. I I think it it's going to be a challenge to stop Kelvin Hopkins, but I think the upside is that Army is breaking in a lot of new runners elsewhere in that backfield. You know, Darnell Wolfork graduated. Andy Davidson graduated, Cam Thomas graduated. That's like 1,500 yards between those three right there. And I think it's a kind of a tall order to ask them to be as successful as they were last year. You know, they were just outside the top 20 nationally in success rate, even as they were dead last in explosiveness, which given the offense that they run, the option, the triple option, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I think that they really set a high benchmark for themselves and – I don't know. I tend to be conservative when it comes to thinking about like regression to the mean. So I'm not expecting them to be as efficient as they were last year. But I do think that it's going to be a really tall order for the defense, you know, even if it's potentially a strength on strength, like we're just talking about with Air Force, to be able to contain Army for 60 minutes. So I think I'm with you. Uh, I do think Army is going to end up being a pretty good team, even if they aren't quite as good as they were last year. And I have that one as a Black Knights win. 
I'm going to go bold here and say this is going to be the worst loss for San Jose State this year. Ooh. Is that bold okay. enough for you? Well, considering that we're <laughs> considering that Boise State is next. I'm just saying. I, I hear you. Just look at the game last year. Army San Jose State wasn't exactly close. All right. Just, why not? I'm hearing you. Go on a limb. They run the ball. I guess the only t- thing would be the, they don't pass and the, the clock never stops. But I, I'm just, I want to have some fun here. They get a Boise State or host Boise State. They're not going to win that game. Not going to be close. I don't know what to say about this game because we'll get to Boise State preview later, but it's just a clear loss, right? Probably, yeah. There's not much to say. It's at home. Great. November. I don't want to just bypass the team why they can, why they can win or not win. I guess if we're going to say anything, Boise's running back situation might be a little up in the air, quarterback up in the air, but by week 10, 11, 12, historically speaking, even when they replaced McNichols and they end up being what Robert Mahone for a while, or I mean Madison and Mahone, they still kind of figure out who the running back was. So, those are the only couple areas where if that kind of goes bad for Boise, which I don't see it foreseen being the case, that might be one area where Spartans could take advantage if their defense does something. But no, not going to happen, right? I'm just going to note that that the next time San Jose State beats Boise State will be the first time. <laughs> there you go. That's always probably should have said. All right, then you go to who to Hawaii. That'll be exciting, right? Please let it be like last year. It's as good as last year's game. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I guess the thing with that is a division game like last year. If it's, I expect Hawaii to be pretty good and win, even though they give. Are you surprised at twenty two percent S and P projected chance of win for the Spartans? Not necessarily, because I think that Hawaii has always been fairly tough at home. And I think no, no, I'm saying that's too some... high. Oh, it's too high. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it might be underrating Hawaii a little bit, but That's I think a lot at. of that comes down. I think a lot of that comes down to the difference between where they're projected on offense and defense. Okay, I see. You know, the Warriors still have a bunch of questions on the defensive side of the ball, and as we saw last year, mm-hmm. you know, San Jose State can move the ball and put up some points against suspect defenses. And if Hawaii Rolovich likes to be dicey on fourth down, and they make some stops, and they don't convert, that could be a game changer. Exactly. Then they go to UNLV. This is the most likely. Wait, wait, wait! Do we do we ever call win or loss on that one? Oh, loss. Why? Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Same. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was kind of given. Sorry. Make sure we had that out I apologize. We're on seven losses in a row here. I think. Then they go to UNLV, which is one of the tougher games for me to pick because while well, they're they're given a slightly better chance to beat UNLV than Hawaii, I just don't trust UNLV all that much based on what happened last year. Based on just it's being the Rebels, which is kind of lame to say. But if here's the thing: if, Roger, if Mar- Armani Rogers is healthy, they have some good receivers. If uh, Charles Williams is back there running the ball well, they'll be fine. But I could easily see San Jose State getting a victory at UNLV. I think at a minimum, you could say it's not going to be quite the same game that they had last year because they're probably not going to catch Max Gilliam again. No, no, they're good. They got Rogers. Unless something weird happens, they got Rogers. But interestingly, you know, even despite the struggles that the Spartans have had, did you know that they've won like seven of the last eight? It's because UNLV has been that bad as well. Eight, eight of the last nine. Excuse me. Is it gonna be and nine? Is it gonna be nine of ten? That goes back to nineteen ninety-five, by the way. Back in the ooh, that's Big West days for UNLV. Exactly. So, I think this could be like one of the more sneaky fun games. Of the year that it, probably again nobody's going to watch. Could this be like the Wyoming UNLV triple overtime game with Josh Allen at quarterback? I think it absolutely could be. 
And honestly, I think that the Spartans can win this game. Oh, victory for San Jose State. So I have that as a win. I I was debating. I went with the road road loss, partly because I'm hopeful that Armani Rogers will be good to go and be fine. Because if he's healthy, I don't see any way San Jose State can win the game. Not that it wouldn't be close, but I put a lot of faith in Rodgers being that good. Final game of the year, Fresno State. Is this the trophy for the Valley? Is that what this one's called? It's the Valley Trophy, yeah. The Valley Trophy. Um, what's your percentage of Fresno State retaining this? Um, I don't know, probably 90%. 90%. <laughs> Give me a reason why Fresno State would not win this game. If they're caught napping like they were last year? That's true. That first half was awful. It was terrible. And people are I getting think, people I are getting at me for saying how bad it was. I'm like, it was awful. They were terrible. If the offense is slow to come around, I think that the and the, the defense could be opportunistic enough to to create one big play to really turn the tide. Yeah, that's what it was last year. But you're right, like if this Spartans offense is a bit better, because Fresno does lose a couple pieces. So who knows he'll step up by week the final week of the year after Thanksgiving weekend. But you're right. If it's anything like last year and the Spartans are better and saying Fresno State might be a touch worse, you never know, man. But it's still going to be victory for Fresno, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason to mention So I, that puts me with, uh, sorry, guys, 2-10. and 10. Yeah, I have it at 3-9 uh, and nine as well as 2-6 and six in conference. So let's wrap up really quick. Going through the schedule again once, super quick. Any games for me, like, like their best case scenario for me would be adding the Tulsa victory for three, adding UNLV win for four, and maybe sneaking, say, all oh, these games are road games. Crap. I'd say four games might be, like, my best case for me. Maybe Nevada five, but that's on the road. So four wins is probably like my best case. Can you see them getting higher than five wins, Matt? Or more than higher five than wins? five or more, like what's like uh, what toss up games? Like what to- there are any toss up games you think like they might be able to get that? Because you already you have them Northern Colorado, New Mexico, UNLV. Do you think they can beat Tulsa? Yeah. Okay. Any other game on the schedule? Uh, I would say. I mean, I know that they're road games, but I would put Nevada and Hawaii in that conversation too. Yeah, that's the thing. If they're at home, I'd probably give them more leeway. But that's still what four wins probably. You're ceiling four or five. And I think that's that speaks to the fact that the Mountain West, and, and this is the point I'm going to come to again and again, I think throughout these team previews, the Mountain West seems more wide open yeah. than has in a few years. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of things could be possible. Yeah, you know, could... if San Jose State comes together and, you know, the offense comes out swinging with big plays in a, in a functional running game, and if the defense can kind of hold on to its gains from last year and find some answers on the back end you know maybe maybe they get below eligible oh i mean i'm not saying it's like a significant chance but i think the road is there you're not wrong because like even like the teams at the top like really quick utah state brings offense back new offensive line we talked about new head coach boise state new running back new quarterback new receivers lose a little bit on defense uh wyoming who knows? Nico Evans is gone. Maybe their defense is great, but they lose Scotty Hazleton. Air Force may have a big turnaround, but they're Air Force, and they sometimes fade end of the year. Hawaii, Cole McDonald got benched halfway through last year, part of the game, but maybe he's back. Aztecs have a new quarterback, great running back coming off injury. There's no dominant team at the top. I would say the only 
things at the bottom, I would say, like, maybe San Jose State probably not going to bowl game, seems likely. But even then, like we've been discussing, they caught Fresno napping last year. They caught San Diego State napping last year and nearly pulled off two huge upsets. And so maybe they get a touch better. That could be the case. But the league's widening. They're keeping up, but not gaining on anybody at the moment. I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there maybe as a, a way to wrap things up. It's not like teams have improved dramatically in the win column from one year to the next. Like, you know, look at Wyoming. They were 2-10 in 2015, and then they won eight games in 2016. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw Fresno State just turn it around from one win to ten wins, you know, two years ago. So or Air Force, same thing, yeah, two to ten. So those kinds of leaps forward that we're talking about – it's not like they are rare. You know, we've seen it happen a few times in the last several years. And while it is possible that they take the UNLV route where they improve like incrementally one win at a time or two wins at a time, which seems more likely. Mm-hmm. Again, the conference seems wide open, so you can't rule anything out. If things break their way and they improve in the ways that I think that they can, you know, you might be talking about the Spartans by a, as a spoiler come November. They could. I think there's a tier of teams, but the gap isn't there. Like, I think we could say, as you wrap up, like, New Mexico, San Jose State, it may be, like, uh, Wyoming or something might be, like, a tier. Maybe not Wyoming. But, you know what I mean, like, there's tier of teams, but it's not, like, definite 12th place, definite champion. There you go. Like, there's a group in, like, top Utah State, Fresno, Boise, San Diego State, kind of, maybe Aztecs. But, like, there's tiers of teams, but... Yeah, I think you're right. Spartans, if they can improve just a little bit here and there, they they might sneak off an extra one or two, but I'm still not confident going to predict those victories at this moment. That's why I'm going 2-10. and ten. But you never know. Never know. That's why I play the game, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, that's it for our San Jose, San Jose State Spartans Preview 2019 edition. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We will have a show next week as we get through June. We'll leave it up to you guys to vote and decide who it should be. Um, should, do we need to make sure, Matt, it's back and forth west, mountain, west, mountain? Yeah, we could do that if you want. Well, maybe look at that. So next time might be a Mountain Division team, not Utah State, since we already listened to them. If you missed any of our shows, go to Blog Talk Radio, um, backslash, what are we, Mountain West Wire, or basically just search Mountain West Wire, iTunes, Stitcher, um, PodCoin, all sorts of fun places. Uh, tune in. I think we're on Radio.com, I believe. Do you ever use that, Matt? Radio.com ever? Not personally. I've no. heard of it. I've been to the website once or twice, but we're there too. So basically, anywhere you get your podcast, we're there. And we'll be back uh, next week to talk to more Mountain West football.